Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Lord, nothing can take our joy because you are our joy. And you promised you would never forsake us. You would never leave us. Lord, you're the one that created a day, a holy day, the day of the Lord for us to come and to worship at the house of God. And you desire to be for us to walk in the sincerity and not the hypocrisy, not the appearance of joy, but the reality that you are in our lives and we're thankful for it. And we could never even imagine what our lives would have been without you without your goodness, without your mercy and compassion, without your spirit, without your word and your goodness. We're in the house of God, listening to the word of God, celebrating, singing songs and hymns, singing songs of celebration for the coming of an end of this year that you have allowed so much goodness in our life. You've kept us alive during this time, Lord. You've kept us strong. You've protected us. We've been able to be in your presence, in your altar, seeing that your goodness does not grow weary, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you be renewed in our lives, that this word would be just the right word in the right season so that we not miss the celebration and the holidays that you have prepared ahead for us, Lord. Not only this week, Thanksgiving, but this week we, we have our Christmas gala where we celebrate Jesus and fellowship with the people of God, wonderful songs and food and fellowship. We pray as the year ends, Lord, we also go out of 2021 in celebration that we might go into 2022 with celebration, celebrating your goodness in our lives, your salvation, your deliverance, knowing that our time for your coming is at hand. We pray that you allow us to participate of these things and then we not be an exiled, scattered, withdrawn people from the place of your fellowship. That your goodness would be a reality in our lives, that our children might have peace and protection, that they might see that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning, O God. You're faithful yesterday, you're faithful today, and you will be faithful tomorrow. Keep us in your love. Keep us in a sincere expression of worship to you, God. That we might celebrate you in this life and in the life to come. Prosper your word in our hearts. Allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet. Light to our path. Enlighten our countenance that we stop being foolish. And that we would be wise choosing the priority of the things that cannot be removed. All things are being shaken, O oh God, so that those things that remain will remain. And allow us to put you in the place of our greatest and chief joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As we prepare to um, celebrate some more, uh, I, I want to tell you that I don't recall uh, of a celebration taking place in Egypt at the time of, of the people of Israel being servants to Pharaoh and being driven by heavy 
tasks and burdens, um, the full-on expression being deprived of their gold and silver, there were no harvests to be able to enjoy. There were no wells that they were able to withdraw water from. Um, they were a stricken people with heavy burdens when God took notice. Uh, we're about to go into probably the darkest season of human history in the coming days. I don't know what your understanding is of the end times, but the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, that Paul warns Timothy that Timothy, in the last days, there will be perilous times, terrible times. So you need to make room for the disposition of darkness. We're surrounded on every side. Uh, one of the families was taking a trip through to go to North Carolina to celebrate Thanksgiving. And when they were driving through Ocala, a drunk driver killed the mother and the daughter. And so we see that, that people around us is getting very ugly in every, in every side. And it tells us why in the Bible that the last days, mark this, uh, there will be terrible times, perilous times, dangerous times in the last days. Verse 2, because men will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of themselves. That's the explanation of a lot of behavior in our dark times. I want to highlight the word selfish. If you talk to anybody, they're talking to you about their problems. They're not talking to you about other people's problems. And so um, there's no greater joy. Last night I was having a conversation with a gentleman here at the church. And I said, do you realize that we have some children in our church who lost their father last year? And, and, and most of all three of these orphans who have no parents. And while you're worried about your son and your daughter, you don't have an opportunity to cast your attention on those that have greater needs than your son, your daughter, having another 50 inches on their television. Because selfishness is the atmosphere of the last days. That causes great darkness. And it causes great sorrow in the heart of God that he would bless you so much and you have no time and attention to look just a couple rows ahead of your row and notice the need. You're not even around long enough, attentive enough to feel the needs of those that are around you. And so that you're apathetic. You're, you're, you have leprosy. Leprosy is, is that, that spiritual condition where you lose feeling and your extremities start falling off. You have no ability to look around. So that's the climate of the last days. But in this horrible existence, we have a God who has a continual feast. And it says so there in Proverbs 15, 15, where it says that the righteous, those of a merry heart, have a continual feast. Where did this come from? 
Where does a cheerful heart of a continual feast come from? I want to suggest it comes from our God. He, he's constantly celebrating his goodness. We're the ones that cannot give this down to the next generation. We kidnap the goodness of God so our kids are on these video games. I, I want to give you a great recommendation. If you want to be a godly and wise parent, throw your kids' virtual games away. Throw them in the trash. Why? Because here... What is a seed continues to be a greater fruit. And I'll tell you what, the suckers of this world, Mr. Zuckerberg, whatever his name is, he has now created something called Meta. He's changing his Facebook page to something called Meta. It's a virtual reality existence. What's that mean? More fakeness. I could not believe this week when I heard somebody bought $60,000 worth of land in virtual space. With fake money, cryptocurrency, they buy $60,000 and guess what he did? He sold it a week later and sold it for $150,000. So fake people who have no real life are buying fake land, selling it for a fake profit at the expense of suckers, Zuckerberg. And they're making off like a bandit in a world of non-reality. And I used to tell my kids all the time, you want to shoot people in a video game? I will sign you up to the U.S. Army. You go shoot people for real. Oh, no, no, I'm scared. Here I can press a button and I'm alive again. That's right. It's a lie. Because real bullets don't give you a reset. I'm too intense this morning. Let me calm down. Emily likes me to preach like this. She's like, Pastor, if you lower the bargain, I'm not coming back. Emily likes me to keep it. Keep it real, Pastor. Absolutely. But you know who's creating all this? Parents that don't want to be real parents. They give surrogate video virtual parents to their kids. And they're cursing their kids. Kids don't even know how to look at you in the face and converse. Because your head doesn't look like a screen. They, they like to look at a screen all day, eight hours a day. And it's all for naught. It doesn't exist. doesn't prepare you for life. doesn't get you ready to do anything. So it's real important that we go to this reminder of the word of God. He's a God of feasting. We don't even know how to feast yet. We don't know how to dance. We don't know how to rejoice. We don't know how to give God our best. The Bible says as David danced before the Lord, he lost his pants. And he was in his underwears and his wife got upset. You, you, 
You've lost your dignity. No, I'm being real before my God and I'm going to get even realer. If that's a word, it's not a word. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate for real. This is my God. I need to give him my best, my time, my talent. I need to worship God. I need to give him obedience because obedience to him is sweet aroma. It hurts on this side, but it, before the Lord, he wants obedience rather than sacrifice. And so I have here a list of all the 23 uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus 23, seven yearly feasts, seven times a year that all of Israel had to present itself before the Lord. We, I don't know that we have that many feasts as a church, but, but truly imagine that, that we picked out a day of the year where we are going to celebrate Christ and you don't show up. Gala? That you, you don't find a season and a reason to celebrate the goodness of God. Listen, in any direction. So here, uh, Leviticus 23, verse 4. He talks about, um, these are the Lord's appointed feasts. They're his sacred assemblies. Guys, listen to me. If you still haven't figured out that one of God's greatest uh, and, and he told me, I, like, when you love a person, you ask them, what's your favorite thing, right? You, you want to give the person you love the favorite thing. I asked the Lord many years ago, well, Lord, what's your favorite place in all the earth? You know what he told me? Right here amongst his people. Do you believe that? Like, your favorite ice cream is chocolate or vanilla? God's favorite place is right here with his people. Where does he want you to be when his people are gathering? Right here. What could be better than being with God? He says, when two or three are gathered, I'm there. So why did you find reason to be somewhere else? It's holy to him. It's sacred. These appointed feasts of the Lord, you are to proclaim at their appointed times. And, and sometimes you say, well, I could celebrate God anytime. No, no. It's when his people are gathered that you need to have your seat there and I would hate for you to lose your seat. We used to say in Spanish, el que se fue de la silla perdió, el que se fue a la villa perdió la silla. He who left his seat was occupied by someone else. I had this one lady says, Pastor, if you take my seat, I'll go to Walmart and buy a seat and bring it with me. Bring your own chair. Because truly, we think of these manners as burdensome, as tiresome. And God is saying, wait a second, I'm the God of the universe. And I come to meet with you and you're not here? Something's wrong with this picture. I'm the God of the universe. I have important things to do. I want to spend time with you and you don't come? I don't know if God yells like that. But I do know he's passionate. I do know that God cares because he gave his son. And that's what holds us together. The covenant of the blood of his son. So he says, these are the festivals of the Lord. What are they? Have I talked to them with my children? 
No, because they know Mario and they know Nintendo and what's that tennis weeby or we we the we the, 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 the devil's competing on every front for your time and attention. Uh, I understand that, that one, one of the young men here at the church, he says, he says like this, he says, my parents don't act like Christians when they leave the church. They only Christians inside the church for those one hour, two hours a week. But when we leave the church, Jesus doesn't exist in our family. They go back to arguing and fighting. They go back into acting as wicked as they can be without Christ in their lives. So he says, why should I go to church for two days a week to pretend that we're Christians when we're not? My dad's attention is money, 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 money. And all week long talking about money. No, Jesus, not one Bible verse. Not come here, son. Look what the look what the word says. I love this. Watch this. Look what the word says, son. Son, son, wait, don't leave. Wait, put turn down the son. Look what God says here in his word. This is what God says in his word. He says. This is what God says. Ready? Here it goes. Mm -hmm. Ready? Deuteronomy 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Wait, 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 wait. I was talking about money, 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 money. And... And wait, wait, the Bible says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to become wealthy. Man, man, if you're able to pass that lifeline down to your children, they would have their noses in this book greater than where you put your nose, which is a bunch of sewage. We need to begin to celebrate God. And I think if we, put, if we put the sermon message again, it says something like, let's see the title of this message. No celebration for the holidays? That's a horrible preaching sermon. How could it be no celebration for the holidays? I'll tell you why. Because you don't know who to celebrate. You don't know what to celebrate. He says to his people, there are seven feasts that are sacred unto me. Going back to Leviticus 23, verse 4, these feasts that you are to are appointed, they're to be holy. A, a lot of people, when we say we're going to have a gala, they're like, I'm not going to the gala. Why should I be at the gala? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. It's a holy appointed time. Maybe there's people sacrificing. There's people that have been rehearsing for the last four weeks to bring their best to God before his people and before your relatives and friends because they want that what happens there might be contagious enough to bring your family to the Lord. Maybe. 
But since you don't go and your families won't be there because they you, family usually don't show up to a place you're not. And relatives are not going to come. And what's not worth your sacrifice is not worth other people's participation. Oh, you're going to really love my church. You got to come. You got to come. But don't come on Mondays because I don't show up. Don't come on Wednesdays. I don't show up. Don't come on Thursdays. I don't show up. Maybe if the dolphins are playing, I'll be there on Sunday. Listen, quit playing games with God. You're not going to celebrate his holy days. When? He says that he lists all these celebrations for the rest. I'm not going to get into the celebrations today. There's seven of them. You figure out what they are and what they mean. They're all Jewish holidays, but they're not Jewish holidays because they're Jewish holidays. They're Jewish holidays because God, we said it on Wednesday, appoints times during the year that we can thank God and celebrate his power in our lives. The celebrations of God were not about anything else than God. And if he didn't appoint his times to celebrate with his people, the people wouldn't say, hey, God, we have set aside time with you. We have set aside a time to celebrate with you. That's the purpose of the Lord's Day. Every week we gather together to give the Lord thanks. Do we grow tired? No. Why? Because God is blessing us. Our socks are blowing off. We don't say we're making so much money, we're going to take a break from God. We're going to go on vacation for four weeks. God will not be a part of it. Oh, really? So God blows you up and God makes you wealthy and God prospers you. And that's how you respond. You know, it deserves a hand clap. Can we give a hand clap to the Lord? Thank you for all of those of you who celebrate without God's goodness. So here it is that God brings before the holidays a message. There's going to be no celebration of the holidays for certain people. Who are these people? Suspect number one. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We talked about the curse of not remembering and not thanking and not giving praise the Lord. And I forgot to use this verse. It's used many times across the board. I didn't use it on Wednesday. But I said, Lord, I can't deprive the people of God of your word. Because we talked about those who don't remember what God has done to say thank you and to celebrate. They forget. And the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, by not keeping his judgments, his statutes. He commands you today. Verse 12, lest, could you put verse 11 up there again? Be careful that you do not forget. Tell your neighbor, don't forget. Don't forget. The devil wants you to forget. But if you remember, then you start showing signs of gratefulness and thankfulness and praise. When you remember, when you forget, you, you begin to become resentful and bitter. You become, you become critical. You become judgmental. I always say that when I said it on, on, on Wednesday, when I was a single man, um, I was in a, a Bible study and a man came up to me. And he says, hey, Joaquin, um, the Lord put in my heart that when you get married and you buy your first house, I'm to give you your down payment. I go, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And it came a time I got married to Yvette. 
And for a while, we didn't buy a house, but the time came where we started having our third child, Brandon, and we needed to buy a house. And he came over and he gave me the down payment for the house. And it was glorious. Uh, within 12 months, I started prospering in my law firm and I paid him back. But, but I'll never forget the kind, kind, kindness of that man. How, how could I forget? Would you ever forget that? That God gives you the down payment to your first house? And it doesn't matter what that man could ever do, and he did a lot of things that probably were not praiseworthy, but I, I never got into the things he did wrong because I was remembering what he did right. And that remembrance and that thankfulness kept my heart from growing bitter and resentful and ever turning in a manner that would not serve his best interest. So again, remembering and thanksgiving and celebrating, it's a repellent against the devil's bitterness and his causing you to forget what God has done. God is too great for us to forget. Be careful you don't forget. Verse 12, he says, lest when you come into your wealth and are satisfied, Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build a bigger house and you begin to settle down, verse 13, when you begin to increase and your herds and flocks are grown and your silver and your gold is increased and you have multiplied, notice glory to glory to glory to glory. He says, don't forget. Don't forget as you have grown in increase and in peace in every direction. As I remember what people have done for me, and, and there was a time where my house was flooded and somebody gave me $100,000. And he says, you don't even have to, there's no loan. There's no, I'm not, there's, there's no mortgage. There's no nothing. I'm giving you, Pastor, $100,000 because I'm grateful to you. And when you build your house and when you fix it and when it's all done before fire hit afterwards. And so when I was able to build my house the first time and everything came together and I was able to pull out a mortgage, I gave him back his $100,000. I'll never forget that act of gratitude, what that man did for me, what that family did for us as their pastor. I don't care what happens after them perpetually. I'll never forget what they did in the time and the season of my need. But if you forget, then you grow, you, you grow like almost like a, a self-righteous entitlement indignation you know only for one reason because you forgot you forgot watch for this you have multiplied verse 14 you have grown large your heart will become proud and you will forget again the lord your god who brought you out of the world when you were a slave to sin and to satan the devil lived in your living room and now your living room doesn't have praise doesn't have the people of God. You're not rejoicing with the abundance of God's goodness because you found reason to forget what God has done. Verse 15, forgetfulness is the cause of a hardened heart. He led you through the vast dreadful wilderness, thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought your water out of a hard rock. Verse 16. He gave you manna to eat, food in the time of desolation, something your ancestors had never known. There was a mercy and a grace and a compassion. And he did this to humble you and test you that the end might go well, that at the end it might go well with you, to, to prosper you on every side. All these things that happen in this land. Verse 7, the land is described as the Lord is bringing you into a good land. He's bringing you into a land of brooks and streams and stream, uh, 
deep springs gushing out into the valley and the hills, verse 8, into a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olives, oil, and honey. God is just pouring it out on us at levels that we don't deserve. In every direction, God has been good to us. We can sing that song for the rest of eternity. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. There has to be a corresponding behavior of God's goodness in your life. When I asked the Lord, Lord, why am I on fire for you? I asked him, we went up with Pastor Palma to D.O. Moody, uh, the Moody Bible College. We went to a pastor's conference. There's a, about a thousand pastors present and, and we spent three days there. And I asked the Lord one question. Why do I serve you like I serve you? This is, it's, it's unusual. You have to say it. It's weird. It's strange. When R.T. Kendall writes a foreword in my first book, he says, uh, Joaquin is a strange individual. And he's talking about why am I in fi on fire for God? I'll, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why am I abnormally on fire for you? And the Lord says, because you're overwhelmed with my forgiveness. He who is forgiven much loves much. And I will be perpetually on fire for Christ because of what he has forgiven me and continually forgives. That's why Yvette, I love Yvette so much too. Yes, yes, and yes. Carlos, you better say amen, brother. <laughs> Absolutely, William, por favor. Please. We love our wives because of how they tolerate with patience our foolishness. And this is the same thing with our God. So here, he, he says, because you're overwhelmed, just over, just floored over, like a steamroller that just me planchó, it just ran me over, laid me flat like the coyote. God's goodness is way too, too extreme for me to go around acting like that didn't happen. This is an illiterate young man who didn't know how to write or read. God taught me how to be a lawyer and how to write $10,000 contracts. How could I say, Lord, I'm going to give you a tithe, 9,000 for me and 1,000 for you? No. At, at minimum, 50-50. At minimum, that he's my partner in life, that I want to see his glory fill the earth and not my glory, not my selfishness. I want to see God be so elaborate and so splendid. The splendor of his glory, let it be seen by all peoples everywhere through my puny little life and effort. I still remember the first year that we started the church, I had made $50,000. In one case, I, I had, it was a weird case. But, but $50,000 came into my bank account. How could I say, okay, God, here's $5,000. I'll keep $45,000. Really? Really? People are like that? No, let me just tell you something. People are worse. They forget God. They act like they are the one that struck Eureka. No, they didn't strike Eureka. The hand of God was strong upon their lives. And they could not recognize it. He says like this. He says, when you have forgotten this land that flows, um, verse 9, 
a land which you will eat bread without lack. Without lack. You will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. You mean you're sitting there fishing from God's pond and God hasn't seen a fish? You're seeing God's goodness in your life and you can't come up with some creative measure to... Bl- Listen, this is, this is what me and Richie, we were sitting out there Wednesday night and Richie says, Joaquin, what's wrong with that sign up in the church? I said, well... It doesn't work. We're going to get a new sign. Yeah, but is it going to have light? You bet it's going to have light. But it's been at least seven years, eight years since we haven't changed it. And so that regard, in that scenario, I just want to hug your heart back to celebrate the holidays. There were people, and Lorna told me, Lorna says, well, Joaquin, this year, more people sponsored the gala than any other year. Other people brought heavy checks. Not for their meal, not for their table, for the gala. And she says, we have a surplus. We can't spend it all. I said, yes, we are going to spend it all. We could save some for February. I said, no. If the people want a glorious live, love, laugh, let them celebrate their marriage. Didn't God put it together? So let's spend the surplus at the gala. And let's make the lights brighter and the decorations more glorious. Why? Because there were some people who sacrificed to bring big checks for us to celebrate our God. And you know why Mardi Gras? is known in the whole nation because homosexual, twisted, abominable, degraded debauchery bring hundreds of thousands of dollars to their parade. To throw necklaces so your kids could show them your breasts. That's just a a crazy world we're living in. Darkness will get greater But my little light's going to shine. I'm going to light up the world with the goodness of my God. He says, this land, there's going to be provision in my land that I have to give you. People haven't figured that out yet, that there's a land that God has for them. It's not a land of bondage. It's a land of great resource. Verse 10, when you have eaten and when you're satisfied and full and you bless the Lord your God, Because of the good land he's given you. When you've eaten and are satisfied, you have no longer. Five years ago, I sat in my backyard. I said, Lord, everything you promised me has been fulfilled. When I was 16 years old and God says, I have eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Things I have for you have not been revealed to the heart of man because you love me. And five years ago, I sat in my backyard. I said, Lord, I looked up into the heavens. I said, you did it. You kept your promise. You kept your promise and gave me everything. When I was nothing. And so it's impossible for us to be celebrating holidays and God is not present. God is nowhere to be found. 
this, this whole thing has to do, it's not just because it's Christmas, not because I'm nostalgic, it's because I have a glorious good God. He's worth to celebrate. And he doesn't want any cheesy celebration. He doesn't want imitation. He doesn't want forfeiture for you to forget. And watch this. Colossians 2, verse 17. All these things that transpired in the Old Testament, it says, these, say it with me, these are a shadow of things to come. So this is the dark side of reality when Jesus would show up. Because Jesus had not shown up yet. So all that he spoke of is pale. It's, it's, it's not even seen with, with reality in light. These are shadow of things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These are all limited things. So I, I don't want to know what's written about how you celebrate God. But there are things that come so that you won't celebrate God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Don't you know that the unrighteous, those that cheat, those that are acting, you know, in an improper manner, it, it, this is what the New Testament says. This, I, I want to paraphrase this whole idea. The, the New Testament is this. Um, as he had these people write the New Testament, he says, look, I don't want anybody to impose upon anyone anything with regards to worship. Because that was the Old Testament. When people did not know God, he sent Moses and he gave them the Ten Commandments. Go figure how after 400 years, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not kill. I don't know what was in the people's mind that God has to say to him, and by the way, please don't kill nobody. Really? God had to go there? These savage people, beasts, didn't know they, did, they should not kill, they should not steal, they should not lie, they should honor their parents. That's the Old Testament where God comes and he tries to get you to conform to the conduct and the behavior of the God and of the people you are, the people of God. But now in the New Testament, he says like this, not so many words. He says, don't let anyone impose upon you the expression of your worship. When Jurgen got here many years ago, he said like this, he says, Pastor, I want to know how to tithe. How is it that I come from the world? I don't know how to give to God. How do I give to God? I said, Jurgen, if I give you my example, you'll probably backslide. Because I've given it all to God. Why? Because he's the one that kept me around. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. I wouldn't have a marriage. I wouldn't have children. I wouldn't have a family. I wouldn't have finances. I wouldn't have friends. I would not have ministry if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. So he's given it all to me. And all I can do is lay it at his feet and say, Lord, how could I use this so that your kingdom is greater? So that more people have the experience of reconciliation of marriage that happened to my parents. So we have a bus going around Dade County and it tells people, save your marriage. Why? Because I have money to spend? No, because I could save one marriage and it's worth every penny we spend on that bus. One family is able to change the course of history and even of a nation if that family serves the Lord our God. 
Now, people feel more comfortable creating this little box called religion, and in there they feel if they bring a tithe, if they bring an offering, if they bring a a visual visit and they say hi to people, that they're doing great because before they did not even think like that. But that falls very low in the scale of what God's expectation is for you and I. And we got to figure out why people can't celebrate the holidays. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that the righteous will not enter. It says the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither those who are involved sexually immoral. How could somebody, could you answer this question for me? How could a person abstain, that means not be involved, in having sex improperly? Do you have the answer to that? Could a man take off his clothes, a woman take off her clothes, and not connect physically in sexual intimacy? without being married how could that happen i'll tell you how could it happen because there's no fear of god there's no love of god there's no purity there's no holiness that's how come they could do that but if they were if christ was inside he would not draw near to a prostitute to a person who's not married to him and so joseph says how can i offend my god and sleep with you He's been too good to me. Wasn't that the answer Joseph gave when Potiphar's wife was like, woo And he says, lady, there's no, nothing in the world can make me go to that bed with you naked and offend my religion. Yeah, you could offend your religion. My church, you could offend your church. My pastor, you could offend your pastor. But if you knew Christ, you would not be in that bed. You would run from that situation. Why? Because God. Because you celebrate God greater than you celebrate sin. You celebrate God greater than you celebrate selfishness. So it's a reality. And I commend these youth, a big hand to these youth. They're on fire for God. They want the blessing of the Lord. They're going to see the glory of a faithful God. Because they've paid the price for that. They've paid a price. And they're going to get God's best because they refuse to settle for less. If they know their seasons. So here it is. The wrongdoers are not going to inherit. Who are these wrongdoers? The sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers. Men who have sex with men. You're like, man, that has to be the epitome of of twistedness men who have sex with men a friend of ours said that his son came up to him and says dad I've had sex with a hundred women I guess I'm gay I don't like it not that he doesn't like it is that he didn't know holiness and purity and he defiled the flesh and he messed up the hard drive he burned the motherboard because he didn't know the season the times and the holiness of God in that holy state of matrimony keeping yourself until the day you say i do with the woman you love verse 10 it goes on to say these neither thieves nor the greedy nor the drunkards these are those who will not celebrate the holidays i was telling a young man yesterday i think it was gary i said gary you have a young baby how old is gary jr he's going to be two years old and you imagine leaving your two-year-old son Who would leave their two-year-old son? There's men who have left their sons. Why? Because they're selfish. 
And it's, it's totally abnormal behavior. Yet Gary's father could never rejoice with his son because Christ did not live in his heart. He walked away from his son. And so when I see now Gary raising up his son, and, and he's a champion, and that little princess Catalina, their little sister, I'm like, man, God is good. God is good to get a man out of Wynwood who's a pharmacist, drug dealer, and he makes him a husband and a father. That's the glory of God. We have things to celebrate. There are men who desire righteousness, who want the inheritance of the Lord. I got to hurry up. I don't have much time. He says, these swindlers, if you are a con artist in the world and you come to the house of God and think you're going to con God, the joke's on you. You're not going to make mock God. You're not going to celebrate the holidays. Verse 11 and then this is what Paul says, we, at, at, that is what some of you were. I love that word, were. There's all these dirty, crazy people that are not celebrating the holidays. That's what we were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Bring God into your celebration. Bring God into your rejoicing. Bring God into your party and into your feast. Allow yourself an opportunity to celebrate what should be celebrated. The Bible says that of all these God invited, imagine this, you, you do the statistics. Six million people come out and hear this message. No celebration for the holidays. And you're like, what are you talking about? 1 Corinthians 6, 5. With most of them. Do we have the right verse there? Let me find this real quick. The Bible says, with most of them, God was not well pleased. Why, why when God calls people to a party, the majority of people can't find opportunity to celebrate what God wants them to celebrate? Yes, 10.5. 1 Corinthians 10.5. Let's go... There. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Think, we, we have a controversy here that, that we have the tendency to say, okay, what are people doing? Because if people are doing something, then I'll do it. But listen to me. If I waited for people to do what we're doing, it wouldn't be done. For a long time, people do not want to be totally sold out to Jesus. They, they don't have creative ideas on how to bless the kingdom of God at their expense. That's what love is. When you give somebody more than what they could even measure to have, that's the love of God upon our life. Nevertheless, this is the explanation. God was not pleased 
with most of them. So their bodies were scattered in the desert. What's that mean? They never saw the land that God had for them. They never saw the wife God had for them. They never saw the husband God had for them. They never saw the children and the finances and the peace and the joy and the fruitfulness. They never saw it. Why? Because they forgot. They forgot to serve God. Here it is in Deuteronomy 28. He says, don't forget to serve your God for the abundance of all things. Lest you forget in that manner. I got to find this. Yeah. Verse 40, 45. Deuteronomy 28, 45. He says, if you forget the, the vast plentifulness and, and fruitfulness of all, all these curses will come upon you. They will pursue you. They will overtake you until you're destroyed. Why? Because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe his commandments and decrees he gave to you. Verse 46, these curses come upon you. You forgot God. Next verse, and they shall be a, a sign and a wonder upon thy seed forever. Verse 47, because you serve not your God with joy. You serve not your God with a glad heart. You serve not your God for the abundance of all things. How could God bless us more and we have less expression of that? By the end of our life, our children do not know God. They do not fear God. They don't go to church. They move far and distance away from family and friends because of the reminder that we forgot the abundance of the things. Here, Nehemiah, fast forward, some of them because God was not pleased with most of them, died in the desert. But the ones that crossed over into the promised land, in Nehemiah 9, verse 33, he says, However, you are just in all that has taken, you are righteous in all that has been brought upon us, for thou has done right, but we have done wickedly. You guys see the expression? God kept his promise, but they did not serve him for the abundance and gladness and joyfulness of heart. We, you did right, God. We've done wrong. Verse 34. Our families don't know more of God. They know less of God. Neither have our leaders, our kings, and our princes, our priests, nor our fathers kept your law. God wasn't first in their lives and hearkened unto your commandments, your testimonies, wherewithal you did to testify against them. Verse 35. For they have not served you in their kingdom. And in thy great goodness thou gavest them, and in the large and fat land which thou gavest before them, neither turn they from their wicked works. Doesn't matter how much you bless, you bless them more, and they served you less. You blessed them and gave them days off, and they took more days for them. You gave them an opportunity to bless the widows and the orphans. You gave them an opportunity to bless the house of God. Now, 24 days from this month. However, you are just in all that's befallen us. Let's go to verse. We are in verse 36. Here we are as slaves. The land you gave us was taken away. It's fruit and it's bounty. Here we are. 
we now are not owners of this land. We lost it. We lost this inheritance. We lost it because we did not attend to it. Verse 37, it yields much increase, but to other people you have set over us. Because of our sins also they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Not where God wanted them. Not what God's plans were for them to be on the lopsided side of blessing in curses. Here the Lord is trying to speak to us today that there are people that cannot celebrate the holidays. They are stuck on things that are not wholesome and not whole. God, these people not only grew fat and forgot you, verse 26 says, nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your laws behind their backs. They forgot about you. They killed the messengers, the prophets, who testified against them and turned them, so, them to yourself, and they worked great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them, verse 27, into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. In time of their trouble, when they cried out, you heard them. And according to the abundance of your mercies, you gave deliverance and saved them from the hands of the enemies. Verse 28, but after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Generation after generation, forgetting God. I want to say that we have experienced a long line of people who prefer to be slaves of everything gone wrong because they refuse to celebrate the Lord our God. They have decided to walk contrary to the plans of God. Here in 1 Corinthians 9, our attention now is to serve men. To be able to, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. How many understand that if Christ saved me, cleansed me, gave me a wife, gave me children, made me a lawyer, I could sit there and serve my prosperity to the absence of all people's waiting to hear about the goodness of God. We, we could sit there and lavish ourselves upon ourselves and miss out the celebrations of God. Here we're coming into the holidays. I would want with all my heart for people to come back to celebrate the goodness of God. The devil has come into the place where he has, he has really put a checkmate on people's capacity to celebrate. They did not know that the devil was bringing them into a time where they would lose what God had for them. They would lose and miss out God's goodness. I want to read one last portion of scripture. And in that regards, um, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, again, it says these things happen to them as examples. So, and with the intention that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. What caused them to fall short of the promised land and not go into that land that was waiting for them with such glorious splendor and abundance? Not because they were powerful, not because they were mighty, not because they had know-how, but because the hand of God was blessed, uh, was upon them to cause them to be wealthy. 
In verse 7, he says, and do not become idolaters. The first thing that happens to the people of God when God creates abundance is you begin to serve things and not the one who made those things. It says they serve creation but forgot the creator. They forgot the hand of the Lord that blessed them and prospered them and increased them. They sat, they sat down to eat, to drink, and they rose up to play. They didn't find any obligation or responsibility to serve the Lord their God. God, you give me, give me, give me, give me, and I give you nothing. And I find that what you're asking for is bothersome. You want me to put up with stinky people. It was hilarious. It was about a year ago. We were playing golf. And, and I'm, I guess when you grow up poor, you cherish things. So whenever I find a golf ball, I'm a rich man. So I find all the golf balls, all in the weeds and the, the lakes. And, I find, and they're usually old and they usually have rust marks on them. They usually look ugly. And they're so ugly that I was playing with Bishop Boone. And Bishop Boone says, why are you playing with these awful balls? And I said, because I don't discriminate. Do you know somebody who is awful, ugly, and is asking you why you hang around with people that are hurt and people that have experienced things that you don't even know what they've experienced and being able to be a refreshing, like God was refreshing to you and being a hope and pointing them in the right direction and serving yourself as an example to others on what you ought to do? I've had conversations with Christians for a long time and they say, I'm not going to be an example to your kids. This is a 50-year-old man telling me he's not going to be an example to my kids. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I'm not asking you to be an example to me because I'm 50 and you're 55, but, but there's a generation that needs an example. There's a generation that needs to know what to celebrate and what not to. The greatest gift I could give anybody is to tell them to throw away your video games. Why? Because there's going to be greater measure of prosperity in your life as soon as you make that decision. And whether all the young people here in the church hate me, I know when they grow old, they're going to say that man was wise. Because I lost my career, I lost my wife, I lost my finances because I was a little boy who never grew up. I wanted to be in virtual land perpetually with suckers, Zuckerberg. Let's stand today in the house of God and thank God for what he's spoken to us. And now his responsibility was to bring us the word of God. Your responsibility is to respond. Don't sit on your hands and do nothing. Become the leader in the kingdom of God that you were called to be. You, you know, I, I've, I've fought with this for a long time. I, I don't understand how men become incredible leaders outside of the house of God. And when they get saved, they become wimpy kids. Why, why aren't you showing your power and your strength? One of the men here at the church told me, Pastor, there's 10 acres available off of Bird Road and 154. They're asking for $3 million. You think we could do it? I said, yeah, we could do it. Let's do something big for God. God has blessed us. God has prospered us. Let's go out giving him our best. Let's not be those that are not going to celebrate God's goodness. I told you the story about this place when we came in here 15 years ago. We came in with 15 men and 10 took off running. That's the literal story. Because this place was way too big for our capacity at that time. 15 of us came in here and we looked around 
and only five said, let's take the land for the Lord and for our families and for our children. In the last 15 years, we've had a glorious time in this place because of the five men that stayed and were willing to fight. Then later, God showed up and fought our battles and cut our rent half in half because God will show up and fight on our side and he will fight our battles. But it requires courageous men. And you know those 10 men that took off running? They never got to see this place. And their children weren't raised here. And they were the ones that lie prostrate in the desert and destroyed because they weren't able to celebrate their God. So I pray, Father, today we've come to the house of God. We're right before incredible holidays, before the end of the year, and you have greatly prospered us and blessed us. We have seen a harvest that we never even dreamed to see. Our children and grandchildren are growing up in the house of the Lord under the atmosphere of heaven in a place where there's hope that we cannot buy. There's joy that's priceless. There's peace that surpasses all understanding. And there's promises for generations of those who keep your commandments. That's why David could be able to say, I desire nothing in all the earth but you, O God. My heart is not set on any prosperity outside the reality of the goodness of my God. And so my children and my grandchildren, their wives and their husbands, they shall rejoice in a good land that flows with milk and honey. They shall inherit the promises of God. They're not going to fall short and die in the wilderness for lack and want. There's going to be no scarcity, no lack of provision will you withhold from your people. We thank you for generations of university degrees. We give you thanks for endless amounts of treasures and riches and wealth that you have given your people the power to make wealth because they serve you with gladness. Allow us to celebrate every opportunity we can with the house of God. Let our seat not be absent. Let our heart be filled and our mouths shout with rejoicing for your goodness, O oh God. That we never forget that we were servants in a foreign land overtaken by great burdens and tasks that we were not able to carry. But you've come and given us a light burden and a yoke which is easy, that we might be faithful to serve you, O God, all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we will glorify the table that the Lord has placed here for multitudes, for all peoples, tribes, and tongues, mostly difficult, hurt, and broken people that have experienced rejection and offense and it's hard for them to trust and be loyal. So we pray for restoration. We pray for reconciliation. We pray that you make our hearts whole and our spirits passionately, fervently moving in love and not selfishness. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. There is no men's meeting uh, tomorrow night. Uh, we have the gala on December 3rd. And I'll see you there. God bless you.